Welcome to Curate the Future, the podcast to help ambitious multi-passionates design and launch their new path. Insights and interviews with professional women who have changed careers, started businesses, and conquered their inner roadblocks along the way. Inspiration and guidance to help you get clear on your dreams and get the confidence to go for it. My name is Sumeya, and let's get to it. Hey, you guys, thank you so much for joining. I'm chatting today with Thalia Petrinos. She was a middle school teacher, and now she's contracting as a communication strategist for, get this, you guys, NASA. Hey, Thalia, welcome. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, happy to have you. So how did you come to be doing this work for NASA? (laughs) Well, it's kind of a funny story. I was a middle school math and science teacher in Philadelphia, Um, and I'll get into this later, but... I was basically realizing that, you know, I was looking for a career change and I was applying for a bunch of things. And um, I applied for NASA on a whim, honestly, never really thinking that I would get it. And um, the day that I got the call that they told me that I had an interview, um, I was surrounded by screaming children because I was at work and I actually didn't hear who they said was calling. So I just heard something, something, something interview. And so I was just like, oh, I'm at work. Call me later. And I spent the whole day wondering who it was who had called. I had no idea. And when they did call back to do the interview, I was so embarrassed. I didn't ask who it was. So (laughs) I did the whole interview without realizing that it was NASA. And I didn't, I still didn't realize until a week later, I got an email that said that I got it. And that was really the beginning of my career. It was an internship and it it just kind of blossomed into a a full-time thing. Oh my gosh. And so when you were thinking about wanting to make a career change, what was going through your head at the time? Did you know what you wanted to do? Yeah. I mean, I think it's really complicated as it always is. um, If you're in a job that you're, you're not totally happy with. So I started teaching actually um, on a Fulbright. I had a Fulbright English teaching assistantship in South Africa, and that was really the start of me teaching. And the reason why I applied for that Fulbright in the first place was because I had studied abroad in South Africa, and I really just kind of wanted to go back there. And so I applied for these programs that would, you know, land me back in South Africa somehow. I applied a couple times and got rejected a couple times, but eventually I found myself, you know, on a Fulbright, which was really great. Um, And it was an incredibly rewarding experience. But I basically came back and, you know, started teaching in Philadelphia and I liked it and uh, I was good at it. But I think it's just that thing where you know that it's not really what you're meant to be doing and doesn't really like give you the same passion that you would hope that you would be getting out of a job, you know. And so I started thinking about what are what are different paths that I can take from here and I'm just like a, a person who loves to write. I write in my journal every day. Um, I take notes every day. I'm just like kind of obsessive about it. And so I was like, it probably would make sense for me to do a job where I get to write every day. And so I started looking at internships and graduate programs where I would be able to write. And I found myself a graduate program that really, really fit my interests. It's a science writing graduate program with Johns Hopkins. Applied, got in, started doing that like at night while I was teaching all day, which anyone who works full time while going to school can tell you it's, it is exhausting. 
And then from there, I just started applying for internships. And like I said, I applied for NASA on a whim that I just saw it. I was like, that sounds cool. I'm applying for, you know, dozens of things anyways. I might as well just throw my hat in the ring. And and yeah, like I said, it, I was amazed when I actually got it. Was this intimidating? Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> every every step of the way, I would say, was intimidating, like beginning from the actual application process to the first day that I arrived there and was like, oh, my God, I'm at NASA um, and definitely having, you know, imposter syndrome, which I'm sure is something that is talked about a lot on your show, which is just the feeling that you don't deserve to be there and that you're not qualified to be there. I definitely had that. <laughs> and um, I still have imposter syndrome every now and then, but I will tell you it's lessened considerably as the years have gone by. And walk me back to the time before you decided that you were going to apply to this program, the science writing program, when you were still a teacher and you were not so happy trying to figure out what's next. How, how long were you in that space for trying to figure it out? Yeah, I was in that space for a really long time, actually. But I think anyone who is a teacher can relate to the fact that just being a teaching is, it is mentally, physically, emotionally exhausting. And I think it's one of these jobs that if your heart is not 110% in it every single day, it can really drain you. Being in that space is, it's really you know, disheartening. It's very frustrating to feel like this is not totally where I belong. And so uh, that was really when I started looking for something else to do. It sounds like you landed on writing pretty quickly and just thought, well, I should do something where I get to write all day. But did it happen that quickly? Was it that straightforward? Oh, my God, no. <laughs> no, it wasn't. You know, and and I think that since we're young, we're told, oh, just do the thing that you're most passionate about. But it's so much more complicated than that, right? Because like things that you are passionate about, it doesn't automatically turn into a thing that you can make money from, you know? And so, yeah, like since I was young, I knew that I liked to write and that I, I write every day anyways. But like, I never thought in a million years, oh, that's how I would make money. You know, like I would write things and people would pay to read it. Like I, I never thought that that was possible. I only thought that was possible for people who were like, famous authors. And, and so I just never made that connection. And then when I was teaching and I was kind of looking for something else to do, that's when I really started looking at like, okay, what are careers that actually like use writing? So I started looking up all these graduate programs and I landed on science writing because I already had a big interest in science. I was teaching science for this middle school. And science writing is basically like communicating science to normal people. That's basically what it is. So it's a lot of like working with scientists, people who are not used to like translating their work for the common lay person and like working with them in order to make sure that the public knows about their achievements and like how it applies their, to their lives. So it wasn't a straightforward decision, but what, what was it that was making you hesitate or consider other options? Like what, what made it tricky for you? Well, I would say that rejection <laughs> was definitely a thing that caused a lot of self-doubt. And I think a lot of people deal with this. I think it's like totally normal. And I, and I think that if you don't know that it's totally normal, you should know that it's totally normal. And, you know, I think a lot of people will think, oh, well, she got a, a job at NASA. Like, 
she must have gotten a lot of acceptance letters. I didn't. I I really didn't. NASA was like one of dozens of things that I applied for. And I didn't get a lot of the things that I applied for. And it was it was an ongoing process of applying for things. And I didn't get a lot of things that I think were, you know, kind of beneath NASA. Like I didn't get a lot of like unpaid internships that I applied for. And the NASA was a paid internship. So, you know, it was just like so surprising. And and I'm, what I kind of gather from that is that it, sometimes you think you, you take it really personally, you know, you get rejections and you're like, oh, you know, this means that I am not good enough. But really what it could mean is that like you are just not right for them at that moment in that capacity at that time. It doesn't mean anything about your self-worth. It doesn't mean that you're not good enough. Like it just means that you weren't right for them at that time. And I think when you look at it through that lens, you can become a little bit more like lenient on yourself and more forgiving of yourself and more understanding of just the way that things are and the way that people are and organizations are. Really, I honestly, if I could communicate one thing to the entire human race right now, I would just say just don't take anything personally ever, ever. Any rejection or any piece of criticism, don't take it personally and and take it with grace. So it was definitely really hard <laughs> to get rejection after rejection. But, you know, if you just keep applying, eventually someone will be like, you are the right person for this right thing at the right time. You know, like eventually it'll happen. Yeah. And then you don't really feel so fixated or bad about all the rejections that you got. Right. But at the moment when you're going for something and it's not happening, you're getting rejection after rejection. I think it's really easy for the whole thing to turn into a death spiral and you start questioning all your decisions. Like, why am I even doing this? This is never going to work out. And all those monsters take over in our head. Right. So how did you come to this perspective? Because I totally agree. Don't take anything personally. Easier said than done, though. Right. Well, I will say that it did take some time. I definitely like this is not <laughs> the way that I always felt about it. And I had so trust me, I had so many breakdowns and moments where I was doing exactly what you were saying, where I was just like, what am I what am I even doing? And why am I even doing it? And I can't emphasize enough how tired I was during this time because I was teaching all day. I was going to school at night. And I was applying for stuff in like the little free time that I had. So I don't mean to I don't mean to seem like I've always been this graceful. I definitely have not been. And I think the thing that sort of like put me on the other side of that is kind of really accepting and understanding the value of constructive criticism. And, and let me sort of explain what I mean to that. Before I was like telling the human race, you know, please don't take anything personal. And I think something that's kind of combined with that is the ability to take and receive criticism, which I honestly think is the best skill that anyone can ever have for any job. And I say this as someone who has received a lot of criticism and someone who has given a lot of criticism. If every once in a while being rejected, you might get a note that says, hey, you know, it was really close, but, you know, in the end, we decided not to go with you. Take it really as a gift. Take it as like, you are you are awesome. You're going in the right direction, you know? And so every once in a while, I would get like a rejection note like that. 
or like I would make it to like the final round of interviews or something, I still wouldn't get the job, but it would be like, hey, you were awesome enough to get to this point and really don't discredit that. But I basically came on the other side of like, why am I doing this? What is the point to this is all kind of necessary on my trajectory because of little moments like that and sort of realizing that, okay, constructive criticism it's a good thing. In rejection, part of life, it's a good thing. It's going to be what gets you onto the right direction, your right path of where you're supposed to be. Sounds like you felt like you were still moving forward, even though you kept getting all these roadblocks in the form of rejections. Is that it? Yeah, that's a very succinct way of putting it. That's a good point, though, because if you get a rejection, even if there is some constructive criticism in it, it's so easy to only see the rejection. Yes. Or to only see the criticism and not necessarily something that could be useful or even seeing it as, okay, this is one more no on the way to my yes. 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 It's really easy for the all or nothing thinking to take over. Yes, exactly. And again, I'm saying it right now and I definitely have not been so graceful in the past. Like I've definitely gotten, you know, rejection rejection letters with constructive criticism that I've just immediately deleted. (laughs) Like, Gavin said any, like, we're just like, well, screw you. But now, you know, it still stings a little bit, especially like if I'm doing freelance, I, I put my heart out there, you know, I write something that I think is really lovely, and I put it out there, and someone doesn't think it's as lovely as I think it is. Of course, it's gonna sting, but I don't, I don't delete it anymore. Like, I respond back, and I'm like, thank you. Thank you for, you know, your thoughtful message. I appreciate it, you know, and I genuinely do. I do. It might take me like, might, I might need to cool off a little bit before I respond <laughs> to the email, but like I will eventually get there. And this is really common for people who want to do something creative, writing or otherwise, where they have to put themselves out there and get that feedback. And oftentimes it's not going to be good, right? A lot of rejections. So what else would you say to people who want to do something where that is the name of the game and it's either really off-putting or it's even preventing them from starting because they can just see all the rejections that are going to come their way? It's inevitable. And that's scary enough to keep them from doing it. What would you say? Yeah. And I will just say that I know a lot of people who are just like amazing creators in their own respective ways, whether they're good writers or good photographers, good painters. And I know that they're like frozen in that same state of where like, they just don't apply for anything. They don't try for anything because they are scared of the rejection. Um, And like, listen, all, all I can really say is that you will be rejected a bunch of times. That's that's just the reality. That's the name of the game, really, with any creative pursuit. And like it doesn't it doesn't mean that you are not good. And it doesn't mean that you are not worthy and deserving of doing and pursuing what you love to do. If you get rejected, it's because of a lot of factors that you don't see and a lot of things that that your limited perspective don't doesn't allow you to see what the other side is and the other types of people that they're considering, the types of things that they're considering, a theme that they're trying to put together. They have an idea of, of what they want, and it might just mean that what you're doing doesn't fit perfectly into that at that moment in time. And once you kind of see it from that perspective that it's really like it's about place it's about time it's about different people it's about organizations and the way that they work and it's about all these different things that have nothing to do with you then I think it gets a little bit better to deal with the rejections when they come because they will come 
that's <laughs> and I think maybe that's a little off-putting for people to hear but and I know a lot of people who like who just get really discouraged by it and are just like you know why am I even trying I'm just doing this and and nobody likes it but that's how it is like it just it will be like that until somebody says yes and you just have to keep going well you're right that it is just the name of the game it doesn't actually mean anything about you which is i think what you're saying right it's not actually about you it's like this for everybody yeah and and i do hear from people who tell me about what they want to do and then they say well but what if it's putting it simply what if it's hard and too hard and i'm like well it's probably going to be hard there's really no way around that and that doesn't actually mean you can't do it it just means it's going to be hard oh my god yeah i every job is hard (laughs) it doesn't matter what job you have it's it will be hard for one reason or the other. So yeah, no, that's a good point. Like every job is hard. I think the difference is you want it to be hard in the ways that are right for you, meaning it's the right kind of challenge for you, or, you know, you like the way it's pushing you to grow. But if it's the wrong kind of hard, that's a different story altogether. And I think that's where it can be hard to tell the difference sometimes. Yeah, that's, that is a really good point. Because I would say that my current job is hard. I would say, you know, I work long hours, I work weekends, I work late nights, early mornings. Um, You know, being a communicator for NASA means sometimes that we have to wake up at 1am, 2am to cover a rocket launch or a landing or something. And also a lot of the times that I'm that I'm working, I'm working on something that is very public facing, something that is on public TV, you know, that is going to be seen by millions of people around the world. And so the pressure is on a lot with my job. But the, the difference is for me is that that doesn't exhaust me, it excites me. And, and it makes me want to get up at you know, 1am to cover a rocket launch, it makes me want to like, work long nights and and long weekends to get the job done. And I think the difference is, you know, when I was teaching before, that the idea of of working long hours, like just exhausted me, you know, like I was just at the end of the day, I was just exhausted in every way that a person can be exhausted. You know, I'm not saying that my job doesn't make me tired, because it does. But my current job is it's kind of, it's the feeling of it's like, it's worth it, you know, in the end. Yeah. So maybe it's like, there's different kinds of exhaustion. There's the exhaustion where, yes, you're tired, but you're still kind of satisfied. It still feels good. And then there's the exhaustion where you are totally depleted. Yeah, absolutely. Every job will have moments where you're just like, oh, this one thing, you know, or, but that's all, that's every job. It's, that doesn't change. when your job changes. (laughs) And And I think this is the danger of the idea of the dream job. Because it's one thing to say, well, I know no job is perfect. But then there's always a reason to say some job is not right, because it will be hard, or there will be friction or something. And so even if we know there's no such thing as a dream job, we can still be kind of chasing it, right? Oh, yeah. To kind of come to terms with like, okay, what's going to be hard about this? And is that the kind of challenge that is worth it for me? That's really the question. A hundred percent. And just and just kind of a note about the dream job thing. I also know a lot of people who have turned down jobs because it wasn't exactly what they wanted to do. And I would kind of caution against that. If it's something that is related to what you would like to do, I would not automatically say no. I mean, there's a, there's a million different factors, right? I wouldn't say that like just because it's related to something you want to do, you should take the job. But I would say like, don't say full stop just because it's not your dream job. 
the first internship that I got at Johnson Space Center was a communications internship for the safety division. When I immediately saw that that was the internship that I got, I was like, wow, okay, like that's, you know, that's interesting. That's not automatically like something that I would think that I would fit into, you know, but it was an internship for NASA. So I was like, how could I say no? I mean, of course I'm going to do it. And I really actually fell in love with the work that I did there. And a lot of what I did was kind of like studying um, things that have happened in the past that could have like been safer, uh, which if you know anything about NASA, there's there's a long history of, of things that have happened at NASA that could have been a lot safer. And it, it's really interesting. The more that I did it, the more I loved it. I'm interviewing astronauts and I'm interviewing like, you know, acting chiefs of divisions and these really important people. Like it was just this amazing opportunity. And then in the at the end of the internship, I got a full time offer for you know, what I'm currently doing now, which is a communications lead at NASA headquarters. And so even if it's something that's like kind of tangent to what you want to do, I would say like, go for it, honestly. Um, And you might find your way like back onto the path where you originally wanted to be, or you might end up realizing that you really love it, you know, and that you want to go down that path anyways. Um, That's kind of my comment on like, the idea of the dream job. Yeah, you're right. There are many paths to the top of the mountain. I will also say that I, there are parts of me that are not fulfilled by my NASA job that that are fulfilled by the fact that, you know, I do a lot of circus performance stuff. Wait a minute, what? <laughs> this is, it's so funny because I feel like I have two lives. One life where I'm like a writer for NASA and then I have another life where I'm like, a circus performer and fire dancer. <laughs> and so I perform for a couple of troops um, across, you know, the mid-Atlantic area. This is so cool. So you do have a lot of different things going on. It seems like you're fulfilling like different sides of yourself, right? By doing so many different things and not necessarily trying to fulfill everything in one job. Do you think it makes it easier to let go of the idea of a dream job when you do have a lot of different things going on? Oh my God. Yes. I'm so glad that you said that actually. Um, because like I said before, there are parts of me that are, that are not fulfilled by the NASA job that I feel like are fulfilled in other ways. Um, and I think that people need to keep in mind that like your job is, is just one part of you. It is a very important part of you. Uh, it's a huge part of you because it's where you're spending a lot of your time. Um, but you know, it's not the only thing that makes you, you, there's a million things that make you the person who you are, your relationships with people, your family, the things that you like to do in your free time. You know, if you volunteer, volunteering, these are all things that sort of like composite who you are as a human being. And so if you find happiness in your job, like that's fantastic. That's awesome. Definitely follow that. But you can also find happiness in other ways. Um, and so the fire dancing um, performance stuff definitely, you know, get, makes me happy. I will also say that I think it is the reason why I got my internship at NASA, just on reflecting about it, because that was a internship that was about um, safety communications. And as part of my application, I had mentioned the fact that I do a lot of safety training and involvement with the circus performance stuff. Obviously, when you're fire dancing, you have to be like super trained in safety. And so I think that it was something that 
my internship supervisor saw and was just like really intrigued by and was was just like oh wow that's that's intriguing and I think he he made a comment like on the email the first email that I got from him was said something about the fire dancing thing I think it was just quirky enough that like it interested him and may have been a factor in why I got the job so maybe there's a lesson in there too you know maybe your quirky hobbies will um, make someone look at your application and be like wow that's cool <laughs> it's true you never know when something you have going on at work or outside of work could be the thing that opens another door you never you never never know and and I think for a lot of people the answer might be not just in one job it might be in figuring out how you can do several different things with your time maybe that's that's what you need instead of trying to fit everything into one job yeah Thank you so much. Where can people find you? Yeah, you can take a look at my website. It's T-H-A-L-I-A-P-A-T-R-I-N-O-S.com. That's my name, thaliapetrinos.com. You can also check out my Instagram, which is at tippy.kai.yay. So let me spell that out for you. T-I-P-P-Y dot K-I dot Y-A-Y. <laughs> Thank you so much, Thalia. No problem. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. You can come join me on Instagram at Curate the Future, and you can also come join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash Curate the Future. 